from the dock. No, yeah, you can you can see the bottom. It's, from it's about the this dock. deep, and then it's you jump off, deep. and it's just, you're gone. And like the vacuum seal of the waiters, I was just like. <laughs> What is that noise? What is that? Sounds like a land before time dinosaur. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like, that's like, me gargling goose shit. Sound like the lizard that killed that fat guy in Jurassic Park. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Actually, though, yeah. He's Get away! Scare him away with shaving cream. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> guy had like the Barbasol can with like the fucking mechanism in it. He fucked with the dinosaurs. He got what was coming for him. That lizard whipped his ass. That was the scariest part of of, uh, Jurassic Park for me. (laughs) (laughs) Like he's going to save his life with it. I can get used to this. Sorry, I moved too quick. Chasing at the blue, no kind of fit. Kiss me on a wild like Donovan. Guys, let me tell you about the ammo we've been shooting this year. It's called Migra Ammunitions, and let me tell you, I've never shot a more consistent load in my life. It is constantly smacking honkers and ducks out of the sky. My God. You know what I love, honestly, the most about ammunition is when it works. And, (laughs) dude, that's always been my biggest gripe, right? Like, it's just, dude, just shoot out of the gun. Just shoot the shell. I've not had a single dud this year. Me neither. It's, I love that aspect of it. I just want to be able to trust my ammunition. So, hey, if you want to learn more about stacked load ammunition that me and Joey have been shooting all year, go to migraammunitions.com. Well, let me me tell you. Yeah. That 2.4 load for the 20 gauge. Yep. Smoking honkers, dude. It's hard. I don't even want to shoot my 12 gauge. No, there's a, we have a reel on our Instagram of Joey shooting 2.4 stack 20 gauge migra. So go, go check, check it out, out, guys. Go check it out. When you feel blue, I drown in it. Everything we do, I'm down to split. Yeah, I'ma be there through the storm and the thunder. Never need a fight, I ain't trying to get the one up. Hit you inside, then he's turning to my lover. Going on, now we going into the sun up. Bienvenidos a la Midwest Flyways podcast. I am your host, Joey Basayo. And to my left, I have Cal Janess. And then across the table, we have... Hayden Norman Gross. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast, dude. No, oh, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Dude, why does everyone call you Norm? Yeah. Start with uh, that. Norm is actually my first name. Yeah, it was named after my grandfather. Norman. And my mother hated it. Specifically? Yeah. Norman. You, yeah. you hated it? No, no, no. She hated it. Oh, your mom did. Yeah, because my dad named me after. My, I was my dad's first kid, and he didn't have me until he was 40. So, like, my grandfather was, like, 70-something, you know, and... He wanted to name me after his father. So that's where that happened. And then Hayden, I was actually named after my sister. So my sister's middle name is Hayden as well. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, Norman Hayden Gross. So that happened. So (laughs) you go by Norm to some people and Hayden to some? Oh, man. So like growing up. best friend. Yeah. So so like my mother, everyone, I grew up as Hayden. Everyone called me Hayden growing up. My teachers, everyone. And then when I got, I was in boarding school down in South Texas, uh, Alter High School, and people found out my name was Norm, and they were like, oh, there's no way in hell we're calling you Hayden anymore. You're Norman. Yeah. So it pretty much just stuck is what it did. So mm-hmm. Norm it is. Yeah, is he, he calls me to do a goose calling lesson. Tate and John paid for all their guides to do a goose calling lesson with me. Yeah. And he introduced himself. He's like, yeah, my name's Hayden. It's like, cool, cool, and we get to talking, and I, I liked him instantly. And then he's like, yeah, my, my first name is actually Norm. 
I'm like, oh, fuck that. I'm calling you normal. Yeah, that's, it that's, how, that's how it always happens. That's how it always happens. No, it's kind of funny because I heard somebody else call you Hayden or like saw something about Hayden. And when you first picked us up, I was like, Norm, you know, whatever. And and then you were like, I saw Hayden somewhere. And I'm like, are you Hayden or Norm? And you're like, it's kind of whatever you want. That's <laughs> yeah. literally what it is. It's, it's like, It comes down to like what your preference is. And then people are usually like, no, you're Norm. So that's right. pretty much how it happens every time. No, which, but you, do you, which do you like though now? You know, honestly, like I turned like 21 and started going to bars and bartenders like you know old bartenders and cheers they'd always yell norm and shit like that from that character in the show so yeah people started yelling norm when i would walk into like my local bars so became norm pretty quick yeah, yeah they would yell that shit but i loved it but you like it now no i love it yeah you know and it's my name you know it's named after my grandfather and he was a savage so yeah it's mm. awesome can't be mad it's, what's that it's an old can't be mad. old school right. name yeah. old school for sure no so you and i met in uh kansas last year yep for the first time, but we met initially over a goose calling lesson. Yep. And uh, let me just get those gushers away from you. So you mm-hmm. stop staring at yeah, them. I okay. am staring at them. This is so good. Stop staring at the gushers and you should stare at me instead. So met from the goose calling lesson, instantly liked you, talked a couple more times, and you got a lot better. Thank you. Like a lot better. And then you went up to Canada this year and Tate's like, he got really good. And then I heard you. I'm like, he has gotten really good. So congratulations. I got it tell you it was like repeatedly watching your youtube videos no <laughs> like, i'm not even kidding like i would literally like it wasn't just you it was a million people but like i would, you know like because you did like something specific note videos you know mm-hmm. they're like five minutes long so i could like rewatch them and kind of go back over them and stuff and then it just kind of turned into like scouting trips like in the day you know five hours in my truck or whatever and so mm-hmm. like, blow a call for an hour it just it's how you teach yourself mm-hmm. just gotta keep doing it and that's right. kind of how it happened in canada you have an unlimited opportunity at birds, so you're going to get a lot of practice. Sure. That's cool. So you've been guiding for a very long time, haven't you? Well, we're here at uh, RA Legacy right now, so you obviously guide here. You started late last year, and then you've been guiding fishing for years. You grew up in Washington and Arkansas. You're literally Johnny Cash. I've been everywhere, man. Oh, yeah, I used to live there. Oh, yeah, I have family there. It's like, stop it. Where don't you have family, and where haven't you lived? So you've kind of gone everywhere and you've kind of been like a true vagabond nomad guide that's kind of like the hip thing right now, but I feel like you started that well before it was a thing. Uh, Yeah, Um, and I got lucky just kind of getting into guiding uh, because my father ran an outfitter for years and years. So when he stopped running an outfitter, he was able to kind of put, you know, my name into people's ears and just be like, you know, you worked for me for years and years and give them a shot and that's kind of how it all started nice and that was what was your first job guiding for my dad actually yeah um it was kind of weird so when my dad when i was like old enough to kind of like not necessarily like drive but like i can tell you i was like 14 on the potholes reservoir in washington state and he would like drop me and you know three or four clients off in a hole and then he would go back to the ramp grab three or four more clients and go to another hole and people were, like, obviously super skeptical about having, like, a 14-year-old guide right. in the duck blind. But, uh, yeah, that's that's kind of where it started was for him yeah, in Washington State. So outside of your dad, who was your first? Outside of my dad, who was my first? Uh, for myself, independently, quite a bit in Arkansas when I was uh, in high school during the wintertime. And then um, first, like, call it, like, with an employer that was, like, a nice guy or whatever. It was John Rufty. Yeah. At Paradise? Yep. Really? Yeah. 
that was kind of like my entryway into like working for a real outfitter instead of just kind of running things on my own down in southeast Arkansas. And yep. you like it better working with someone who's more more established? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it was yeah, yeah, for sure. Because um, there's so many new guide services starting, and they're all so million, young, and yep. So like, you've done that, and now you're like, no, I'm gonna do this instead. Why? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, you know, mainly just probably just the ease of things like running smoothly. They already have systems in place, and exactly. they kind of know yeah. like what they're doing, and you're 100%. a piece that fits into that puzzle. Yep, and you're not trying to like pull all the pieces together. You can just step in as a puzzle you're not piece. Trying to make the puzzle. Correct. You get to step in as a good piece and just help fill the shades in. So yeah, and that's kind of what made it. I like that a lot more. That yeah. worked a lot better for me. I was a lot more comfortable with just being told, "These are your clients. You're hunting these days and these days. You're scouting these days and these days, and you don't have to worry about anything else. Do good." Right. Yeah. So, what do you feel like is different about like what you guys do at RA Legacy? And I'll just say, too, I mean, Joey and I have been to different outfitters, obviously, and hunted with different people. And, you know, for us now, you go into it, there's, like, no real expectations, right? Like, you don't you don't necessarily know what you're going to get in terms of the birds, how they're going to be, in terms of the people you're with. And immediately when you picked us up, like, you're such a easy-to-like guy. And immediately I was like, oh, it's this is going to be a lot of fun, you know? And so you guys have great people here, but, like, outside of that, you know, like – you know, yeah, so this is actually, I can tell you right now, it's like the least, like, it's the most stress-free environment that I've been able to hunt in and guide in. One, we're in an area where there's a lot less pressure, obviously. I mean, we're kind of way out here. Not a whole lot of people are going to, you know, take the time to drive for two days, to come and hunt for two days, and then drive back home for two days. No well, one can take like that kind of time off. it's like a tighter-knit community because 100%. That, so, like, yep. getting the permission all that stuff, different, you know what I mean? 100%. We yeah. have great farmers. I mean, it's it's been... Uh, I mean, I get told no like a small handful of times, and it's usually because well, I got cows out there or something like that. It's never no, just no, never well, yeah, a mean Andy's farmer. So established, and yeah, absolutely. Ryan and yep. yeah, you guys have a lot of deep connections. Oh, which is great because like if I ever have trouble with somebody or it's like oh, you know, they don't let a whole lot of people hunt. It's like well, Andy Ryan, do you know you know John Smith? And they're like, yeah, I've known John Smith for twenty five years. It's like let me give him a call. It's like awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> call back five minutes later. Yeah, you're good. Go ahead. It's great. It's really nice. So it's like the least stress-free environment. Then you were talking about like kind of what like sets us apart. You know, you look at a lot of different places and you see kind of like a lot of turnover and stuff like that. And I don't really see that in the future of this place. Yeah. Um, this is kind of like a real tight-knit little, like you've said, you know, this is a pretty close team. It's kind for of like, sure. it's a little family, a little family for, sure. for sure. Yep. Absolutely. Which. When Andy's been doing it here for 17 years. Correct. Too. Well, like not just the 17 years as being an outfitter. I mean, good Lord, he was guiding before that too. Yeah. So it's like, I mean, he, yeah, he really, he's put in his time, which is a huge deal because we work for somebody that knows everybody. It's nice. Right. Yeah. I'll say like one thing that kind of stuck out to me and it really stuck out today too, because we hunted geese this morning, shot our limit, everything went great. And there was a couple of other guys that got in early before their group um, some clients and they had so much fun, obviously, well, they're but freaking <clears throat> out. when, when we, when we like left those guys, um, you know, you were like, well, we'll probably see you either at dinner or, you know, we'll, we'll chat with you tomorrow or, you know, later tonight about tomorrow. And then we ended up having the opportunity to go and hunt this little duck spot. And you called those guys and it was like, Hey, do you guys want to go do this? I don't know what it's going to be, but if you want, you can come be a lot of fun and they showed up and had a great time and so like that to me it was like 
I think you guys are really a collaboration of just like trying to have a good time and like have a, I don't know, to me, other outfitters I go to, they're like, you know, it's not as much a relationship with the clients and they're very much like, Hey, you're going here at 7am, you know, this guy's going to be taking you and he'll pick you up, you know, be ready to go. Yep. And that's like what it is. Like you're here. I tell you when you're getting picked up or yep. where you're going, you go hunt, that's it. And then you figure it out yourselves. And I feel like it's a little different. It's here. way less transactional. It's way more For sure. personal. Oh, 100%. Yeah. And like, yeah. instead of sending someone off and just being like, you know what, go have dinner, go rest of the hotel. It's like, no, come up to the shop, drink beer. It's a lot of fun. hospitality. Yeah, absolutely. And that's yeah. how it should be. That's how you get people, you know, that want to come back and hunt with the same people over and over again. That's how any company builds a good clientele base. In my opinion. For sure. You know? Yeah, but you have to have the right guides that don't just sit on their phone. The Absolutely. Time and 100%. And that's, you know, I, and it's like, obviously a lot of it has to come with like managing clients' expectations. Like he heard me on the phone with those clients today. I was like, you know, it could be a banger or we might just be watching birds fly. And we didn't kill them. We didn't beat the hell out of them or by any means. But it's like, they were done. Those two guys, you know, our two clients were like, that's one of the coolest things I've ever seen. Yeah. Like just watching those mallards fly. Like that yeah. was awesome. And right. that's not something they get to see in Virginia. So Yeah, and they didn't have to come on that no. hunt, so it was all just a bonus to yep. them. That's exactly right. You for know, sure. it was an extra hunt for them and it was just like, dude, you wanna go? Let's go. And they were like, Well, drop the pen. Yeah. And we're going. So No, that's super cool. Oh, and I love the I love doing that. It just makes things fun. And I like being in the field every day. It's like if you get a chance to go shoot something or go watch somebody see something that they haven't seen before, you might as well take the shot. It's pretty, it's pretty special out here, dude. The the goose hunting where you guys have your spots. Oh. Oh, my God. And they just, like, you don't even have to call at these geese, no. honestly. No. Truthfully, like, you don't. You see them set their wings at, like, you know, 200 yards, and you're like, okay, I need to do this or that. And it's like, you really don't. Do you? They're, they're coming. Yeah. Like, they're, <laughs> yeah. like, they're balled up. Like, they're ready. And it's just like, you know what? I'm just going to sit back and watch this for a minute, and I'm probably going to film it. <laughs> right. So yeah. it's, and they're, they're coming. I mean, you, yeah. got, you saw it today. It's just, it's... The geese here, this place made me love shooting geese more than anything else. Like, I love it. Hmm. Yeah. Can't agree with you there, but. I know. I love, obviously, I love my mallards. I was raised on mallards, but, like, watching these big geese do what they do, like, regularly, that's mm -hmm. pretty fun. That's pretty awesome. So. Yeah, the mallards on the river, though, that was <laughs> so cool. Yeah, Dumb. that was cool. And yeah, like absolutely. I told, I told Andy after the first day, like, realistically, and it's just the way I feel personally, mm -hmm. but. I would rather just shoot like 12 mallards on a river than 30 geese in a field. And it's just, it's just honestly like, yeah, it's all, it all comes down to preference. And it's funny because like half the people would come on the podcast obsessed with goose hunting and half the people that oh, come yeah. on the podcast obsessed with duck hunting, you know, and those flip flop too. Like, oh, absolutely. I've seen people that I know. Well, you flip flopped. That, yeah. I liked geese at first for sure. Like that was my favorite thing. Oh yeah. And what then, was, what was the hunt that turned that around for you again? What? Mallard where you're like, I really want to start ducking yeah, a lot more. Yeah, I mean, more. actually, it was probably legitimately the day that we were with Josh. Oh, Bodkin? And, yeah, and we were at home, and we, we had, like, just a very unexpected for me 50-pack of, like, mallards do it at, like, 10 feet. On big water. On big water. On big water. So just in, in the reeds. Water. And but like, they were migrating. Oh, God. And I'm like, I'm going to call those in. I was like, fuck you are. <laughs> I'm like, watch. And they were, they were far. And then they kind of did this throughout the sky, and then they just hooked and no and they, all shot. i saw was green heads and, and somehow cal killed a hen. <laughs> kill a hen <laughs> <laughs> look like up until that point like you uh. know we had shot tons of ducks on water like you go out and you can shoot a limit and have a good day and whatever but they don't most ducks don't work or respond to calls like mallards do oh absolutely and, and you know i don't know like it was just 
a light bulb went off, like a click went off in my head in that moment. And I was just like, this is just to me, pure, honest. Like, this is what I think of when I dream about duck hunting. It's like just mallards on water. Oh, so, dude, you know, 100%. I don't know. But yeah. Did you used to be a duck guy or were you no, just like, I still am by any means. Cause like, you know, growing up in Washington state, obviously like Washington is one of the, I, I in my personal opinion, maybe I'm biased cause I'm from there, but, uh, I think it is bar none one of the f- most fun places to shoot ducks. Yeah, I mean, our yeah. mallards, our widgeon. We have sea ducks. You can go shoot brant. You can do whatever you want in waterfowling in Washington State. It has to offer. So, you know, I grew up sh- like you guys. You know, shooting big water, shooting small water, or like potholes and stuff like that. So, like watching mallards work. I mean, out of the sky and literally dump into a pond that's the size of this living room. That is awesome. That's yeah. unbelievable. Like, it really is. And then you know. My mother's family's from southeast Arkansas, so I grew up shooting green timber and cypress sloughs. So I got to see the traditional you know, duck yeah, hunting. You got to see, you know, Bible shooting. Like it's unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> like it's, it's religious. Like it really is. I mean, watching five hundred mallards come down through cypress trees is unbeatable. Like that really is. It sounds awesome. Yeah, but <clears throat> I got a question for you, dude. Yeah, absolutely. So. I, this, based on what you've said so far mm-hmm. and, you know, the conversations I've had with you, this might be an obvious answer, but who who did you learn the most from in hunting, in waterfall hunting specifically? Yeah. And, or maybe a couple guys that you've learned just a ton from, and what are the biggest things that they've taught you? So, there's three guys, and uh, specifically, obviously, one being my father, um, and then... Um, <laughs> Another guy named Troy Taylor who actually used to turn calls for Bill Saunders and stuff like that. And he was a big waterfowler out in Washington State. And then another guy who actually lives in Twin Bridges, Montana, a guy by the name of Dan Levins, goes by Rooster. Um, But, like, one of the – I mean, other than, you know, the ins and outs of waterfowling, you know, how to do this and that, it was, like, how to, like, respect what we're doing and, like, respect the actual game that we're hunting and stuff like that. That was the biggest thing that they ever taught me. Yeah, for sure. Which is – Like, what specifically that you didn't know before? that I didn't know before, like things that you just, I, I, I don't know, like as far as just like picking things up as a kid, you just kind of learn just like, I don't know how to do it the right way, you know, between just like, for instance, not shooting roost. You don't shoot, sure. like you don't shoot a roost pond or something like that. Go shoot a loaf pond. Like, you know where they're going to be at 830, not 630. Like go there. It's just little things like that. You know, don't let cripples go away and just be like, you know, Whatever, let's just shoot Whatever. another one. Just, we'll just shoot another yeah. one. Yeah, to actually give, give a shit, shit about, about the animal, which is like, unfortunately, that's something that you actually have to like tell people. It's like, yeah, you can't do that. Yeah. And you should not have to tell people that on a regular no. basis, unfortunately. And you do. You absolutely do all the time. So that, I think, is probably guys one probably of the top Guys probably see ones. it a lot, though, too, because the like a lot of the guys that come out, like it's not like something that they steward or like do a ton. It's something they do like five or six times a year and... Or maybe even less, you know, maybe once or twice a year. Yeah, correct. I mean, a lot of your clients are going to come out, and this is, like, their only trip of the year. Like, they do, like, a five-day trip. Yep. It's like the Vegas of hunting. Like, it's just, they're going for one weekend with the boys, and, you know, it's like, don't don't ask about Vegas. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, that's a mentality, for sure. And they think, like, you know, and I can't tell you how many times it's happened, where they're just like, well, I mean, even the guys that are like, well, carry a gun, let me shoot your limit, or something like that. It's like, absolutely not. It's mm-hmm. like, that is not going to happen. <laughs> just, like, the little things. And it's just, like, I feel like you just, you should know better. 
Man, I do feel like you guys, I mean, we only saw a couple groups of clients, but like, it seems like you guys have some pretty good clients. Though. Yeah, we do. Uh, we have we have great clients so far. I haven't had a group that I, you know, that I was like, yeah, I wouldn't want to be on a blind with those guys again. Yeah. So yeah. We, we do have a good clientele base. And on top of that, Tate and I brought a lot of our uh, old clients from Kansas out here that yeah. knew that Tate and I were not going to be in Kansas anymore. And they were like, well, if you're going to go into Montana, we're going to Montana. So yeah. I was like, please, come on. That's we'll show you cool, something man. cool. Well, it sucks yeah. he couldn't be on the podcast with us either. I think I had him on. Yeah, I definitely had Tate on uh, a year ago when he came up to Minnesota. Yeah, up in Minnesota, yeah. <clears throat> but, um, no, he has a pretty bad migraine. Otherwise, he'd be here tonight. Yep. But, yeah, I can't thank you guys enough for having us out and putting us up. And Oh, dude, it's been such a blast. I mean, we had three unbelievable goose hunts and one of the coolest mallard shoots I've ever been a part of. So, I mean, if, if anyone's listening... I would absolutely book a hunt. <laughs> yeah, at Hari Legacy. You gotta see it. This you is just pretty gotta dope. Go and see it. It's it just is. different, man. It's different here. It is, and you know, and like you were saying, like you know, you, well, the mountains, dude, oh, the yeah. rivers, like the anywhere you hunt, sheer amount of birds. Your backdrop is just beautiful. Like mm-hmm. you're gonna take in, you know, the sunrise, and you're literally gonna just take in the views everywhere you go. Like Tate was doing the same thing. Like last year when Tate came out here for the first time, you know, he obviously he's seen me post pictures of me in Montana for years doing, you know, fly fishing and just vacation and stuff like that, and. He was just like, is it, you know, like, and I was like, you just got to see it in person. And I was like, pictures do not do this place justice by any means. And then he got yeah. here and he was just like, he moved here this winter to work here with me and he's going to come back every winter. And then he moved out here this winter and it took like two weeks for him to be like, I ain't going home. I'm staying. Oh, yeah. He's not going back to Charlotte. He's staying here. Like yeah. he brought everything out just in case. And he's like, I'll put it in the storage unit. If I'm staying, I'm staying. If I'm not, I'm going back. And I was like, all right. Two weeks in, he's like, I ain't going back. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Midwest Flyways podcast. Say, I just want to tell you guys about a tool that Joey and I use constantly that can make your hunt way more successful. It's the Onyx Hunt app, and Joey and I both have an elite membership, and I I promise you it's worth every penny. Joey, what's your favorite thing about Onyx? Dude, there's like a hundred things, but easily the most practical uses are the tracking app. So I know how I walk through those cattails and how to get back so I can find that exact path that I made getting in there because it was an ass getting in there. It makes it so much easier on the way back out. But then also the uh, the wind app. Yeah, dude. It's really nice. It's so much easier than trying to go to a wind app separately and find out what the actual wind calendar looks like for a certain spot you want to hunt. I think that that's for sure. That's the thing that I look at on the app and I'm like, wow, this is just smart. This is just an easy thing to use on the app. Um, other thing I really like, too, is the radius. You know, you can, like, set a radius marker on your point. Did you know that? Yeah, so you can, like, right by the wind calendar, you can, like, click set a radius area, and then you can pull out or expand to, like, 500 yards. So then you can, like, check how far you are from a house oh. or a road or anything like that. Nice. Yeah, so then you can have that on the same waypoint. So when you, like, zoom in, it shows you, like, a 550-yard radius around you or something. I've always just used the <clears throat> drop the drop point deal. Yeah, that works, too. That works really good, too. But, yeah, no, um, check out Onyx Hunt, guys. You can get 20% off your membership with MWF20. So go to Onyx Hunt. The code for the app is also on our website. So go to MidwestFlyways.com. Our code on there for the discount is on there as well. Appreciate you guys. So, That's so here cool. we are. So Tate and I are here permanently. How did you guys meet Ryan and Andy? Uh, yeah. So uh, uh, when we were with uh, Paradise Plains, 
um, last season, which was the last season we were there. Ryan was working for Dive Bomb. Ryan, yeah, he was doing photography for Dive Bomb. And he and Kyle Jones and uh, Forrest and them came out for the, um, they were doing that the hunt giveaway where they went to the other guys and then us. And then I think it was one other, anyway, one other people. And then uh, it was the two guys that won that contest with Dive Bomb. And mm. they came out. And so Ryan was the photographer for that whole deal. And he and I got to talking in the blind, sitting next to each other. And he was, you know, where are you from? And he was like, you know, Montana. And I was like, hmm, I love Montana. I've been there my whole life. been going there my entire life for vacation and stuff. And he's like, blah, 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 would you ever move there? And I was like, oh, I already played. Like, and this was when I was with my ex. And I was like, yeah, we're, we were going to move to Montana anyway. And then when I got home at the end of the duck season, uh, Ryan was just like, hey, you know, if you ever do plan on moving to Montana, what are you going to do for work? And I was like, I don't know. I'll probably just do my best to find a guy job. And I didn't know at the time that he owned an outfitter. And he was like, well, you ever move out there, you're hired. And I was like, done deal. Well, I got back after duck season. My ex and I had split, and I was on the road two weeks later. I was On your way to Montana. Yep, packed up, and I was gone. I was yeah. on my way to Montana. And I had a job waiting for me. So, and then you brought Tate here with you? Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Um, last year, I kind of came out here. Uh, we had a split in Kansas that's like 19 days long where you can't shoot ducks. And so I came out here for that entire time. And that was kind of like my do you fit like this is does this where you know does norm fit here and i came out here we had a, too much fun you know shot yeah. a bunch of birds and i was just like yeah i ain't i mean i'm staying i'm here yeah. to stay so yeah, yeah it was awesome that's yeah so that's cool, that's how man. i met ryan and that's how i ended up here i can so. understand why you guys both stayed yeah 100 percent. i've been saying for like i remember looking at the population in high school it was under a million it was like 700,000 yeah. in like 2010, 2009. Yep. And I was like, that looks so cool. And like the gun laws here are awesome. And I was obsessed with guns back then. I was like, I want to move to Montana. And then a couple of years go by and I look at the population again and it skyrocketed. It like went up over half of what it was. Yep, correct. <clears throat> went up a couple hundred thousand. I was like, I don't know if I want to move there. And then I thought it was 1.7 million. Cal's like, dude, it's like a million eighty-two thousand. Yeah, I'm like, probably oh. so. I mean, there's still <laughs> there's still one area code in the state. <laughs> right. Is, you know. right, there's still one area code. Yeah, that's like, so wild. That's whole, so crazy. Yeah, for the four hundred six, it's the whole state. Like, that's so funny. Yeah, that but it's just, I my wife and I are gonna do the trip that I was talking about, where we're gonna start in Nebraska and go hunt several places in Wyoming, a couple places in Montana, a couple places in Idaho, and if we make it to Washington, great. But we just want to see how much real estate costs in like these areas and see if we want to move somewhere in the West in the next 10 years. I don't know if we will or when we would, but something I've always wanted to, hey man, West always is, wanted West to do. West is best. I love this place. It's gr- cool. Like growing up in Washington and stuff. It's just like, I always knew at some point I was either going to like end up back in Washington cause I've lived all over. And then it was like that, or I was going to end up in Montana. And now that my dad lives in Bozeman, I was like, kind oh, of a no brainer. Yeah. I was like, I'm going to go to, Mo- I'm going to go to Montana. I'm like, just fish and hunt. <laughs> That's so, sick. Yeah. Guys, the Midwest Flyways podcast is brought to you by Better Fed Beef. Better Fed Beef is probably the the best way to get legitimately small farm raised beef that tastes really, really good. And the process they have for making that beef, the beef is really good, dude. We it like a good steak. Good. I'm a steak guy. I go to the good steak restaurants. I eat the good steak. <laughs> Come on, man. I'm telling you, it's a good steak and I'm not bullshitting. 
No, it's a very good steak, and I'm actually very impressed. I, what is it, like 17 family farms around the Midwest contribute yeah. to it, and they all raise their beef a certain way to where yep. it's at this certain standard. It's called Get Anya. Anya Beef, O-N-Y-A. <laughs> and I don't, I'm not even going to lie, I don't know what that stands for. Um, Jack, the guy from Better Fed Beef that we work with directly, uh, <laughs> when he sent me the email and he was like, hey, these are some talking points. Mm-hmm. He like said some talking points and then he goes, basically, we're raising really, really damn good beef. <laughs> and that's exactly what you want to hear. Yeah, that that is definitely what you're trying to hear without a question. So without any of the talking points, get yourself some really damn good beef. Guys, you can go to betterfedbeef.com and use promo code FLYWAYS for 20% off all the products on, on the Better Fed Beef website. Literally, we, me and Joey are giving you a code to save money on your groceries. Go ahead. Go ahead, dude. Get on you. Get some good steak. On us, actually. 20% off. All right, thanks, guys. So you've been, you've been guiding for a while. What's the wildest thing that's happened while you're yeah, hunting? Tell us like, some crazy stories. Jeez. <laughs> crazy stories. You can be as crazy as someone getting shot. A lot of my crazy stories are me shitting on my waiter straps and throwing it over my shoulder. Oh, you know what I mean? Oh, you want to go there? That's perfectly Just fine. Now let's do that. Anything that's like <laughs> spooky, weird, whatever. Out of the ordinary. Anything out of the ordinary. Yeah, funny situations. I don't think I have any like crazy out of the ordinary or spooky things, but like I was hunting in a flooded timber reservoir <laughs> down in uh, southeast Arkansas and... The reservoir that we used to, when the water was at the right levels, there used to be like an island we could stand on. And it was, uh, it was like, you know, and the water was waist deep. So we didn't have to worry about much. And then one year, the water, <laughs> bad rain, it came up. And when you were standing on that island, I mean, you were in, you, know, you had like, I had two inches of freeboard in my waders. So I'm like, I ain't tall. Well, right. we're out there and I got to take shit. And I was like, <sighs> I got to go. And, uh, <laughs> like now. I wasn't walking nowhere. I mean, that island was as, like, what you stood on was as big as this table. Like, and if you walked off that, I was, I was underwater. Yeah, what, what used to be, like, waist-deep water was now, like, 10 feet deep for me. <laughs> so I, uh, I had to hike. <laughs> I had to climb up in a cypress tree and uh, pull my waders down and uh, take a shit out of that tree. And there's a photo of me shitting out of a tree. <laughs> In the uh, oh yeah, God. in the Alice Sydney Feed Company office in Jerome, Arkansas. <laughs> yeah, just, ass a, out just a small kid shitting out of a tree. Oh, I wasn't a small kid. I was like twenty three. <laughs> it's not like I was like twelve and I was like, Dad, Dad, I got a shit. No, I was, I was a fucking a grown ass man. Yeah, it yeah. was not good. <laughs> I was a grown man. That's so funny. Yeah, yeah, that was a bad one. I did shit my coveralls when I was four. I remember that specifically? I was on the Winchester Wasteway, actually, where I shot my first duck. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so many shit stories. Oh, dude, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah there's yeah. a couple of them. But, like, no. that was the only time I believe, like, I ever shit myself, like, in a blind. But I was, like, four years old, and I had these, uh, like, old-school camo coveralls. I'm pretty sure there's a photo from that day with me and my dog and a couple buffalo and mallards. And a bunch of shit all over yourself. No, that was in the inside of my uh, coveralls. Okay. But I just okay. remember there was, like, a foot of snow on the ground, and we were sitting in the cattail reeds. And I just was, like, I specifically remember, like, I didn't want to ruin the hunt by being, like, I got to go. I got to go shit. Yeah. It was my mm. dad, my uncle, some other family members, and then me on the end. You felt p- the pressure. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Pressure was on. And I was like, if I tell him, for some reason in my brain, I was like, he's going to kill me. If I, like, mallards everywhere. Like, we're shooting the hell out of him. And I was just like, no, nah, this is going to happen. And uh, I shit my coveralls, and uh, without telling them, my uncle, I just remember, he was like, 
uh, he thought Jake like shit somewhere in the vicinity of us, my hunting dog. He thought we like shit right there. And uh, I was like, that ain't what happened. And I was like, <laughs> dad, I, I messed up. And I, oh, dude, I remember him and my dad peeling my coveralls down around my ankles in, like, minus four-degree weather, wind blowing, snow blowing, and he's, like, wiping my ass with, like, a fucking rubber decoy glove. <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> Abrasive one. It's not smooth. <laughs> yeah. And that started like, your dude, weird sexual like, tendencies? It was like someone sprayed a glove with, like, rhino liner. Oh. Like, it, was, it was, yeah. <laughs> Your sandpaper. No, yeah, yeah, 100%. Like 220 grit. Like, your dad was like, you deserve this. Yeah, it was so bad. You shut your damn mouth. Oh, 100%. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Oh yeah, <laughs> abrasive rubber glove. Yeah, like it was not okay. in the ass. Yeah, like you know those gloves that he was wearing. That's like you know never cut. You can't cut through it. It's like, yeah, that's what that was. <laughs> yeah, it was not okay. Just in case yeah. you need to climb a tree with gloves on, those are what you use. Yeah, absolutely. And oh, you'd stick like that a wasn't cat. The last time. No, it <laughs> wasn't. Had a person with a rubber glove inspecting his butthole. No, it was not the last time. Actually, you actually asked for it this time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, the paid, last time it was it. by request. Oh my! Pay, <laughs> paid for it. Paid for it. <laughs> oh my! <laughs> the doctor. I mean, you do pay the doctor. Oh yeah. Let's be honest. One hundred percent. And they, yeah, admittedly, it was a damn doctor, so I did pay for that visit. <laughs> you did have to pay. People are leaving. Yeah, Yo, let's sir, I am not paying for this. This was very obtrusive. Yeah, he wasn't double digiting my ass without being paid for it for sure. <laughs> Double t- double t- oh, 100%. Oh my God. Holy shit. No. Oh, dude, that's fun. Here, here's yeah. a good question for you. No, please. Having having you having you having seen like the traditions of what your dad and yeah. grandpa and all those guys yeah. like grew up, you know, hunting and that's how you were raised, right? But like now seeing younger guys, you yep. know, like Tate and some of these other younger guys oh, yeah. that are really pumped up about it, like the, the hunting culture has changed a ton in waterfowl. Tell me, like, in your in your perspective, like, some of the good and the bad and, like, how we can do a better job of blending the two moving forward. Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I think that, obviously, I think it is, like, one of the coolest – because, like, one of the reasons why you get into this industry is just to be, like – Especially me and Tate, we like see you know we love we you know we had some clients in Kansas they would bring their kids out it'd be like three dads and like three ten year olds yeah you know and like watching those three ten year olds have like the time of their life it's like nostalgic it like reminded me of why I fell in love with what I do and like it made me it it keeps you falling in love like with going to work every day and doing what we do one hundred percent so I think that like with the younger guys and stuff like that, I think it's awesome how like obviously there's a huge influx of guys that hunt now and that's yeah. badass. The sport needs more people putting it out there and more people actually doing it. Right. Um, I think that obviously just like with anything else with more people going out and doing it, there's more people going out and doing it the wrong way. So I think trying to, you know, practice what we preach by taking the new people or the younger people out and trying to show them the right ways to do things. I think that's kind of how you need to blend it like properly. Yeah. And those proper ways and the right ways are the (laughs) ways that the old people taught me to do. And I think those are kind of the things that you can blend with the new age of waterfowlers for sure. The young kids. Well, like what's some of the the dumb shit you're noticing on social that people are doing wrong? Oh, man. Or just in person, really? Yeah, no, 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 for sure. Like, okay, for instance, like the other day, I was uh, we were pulling off the ramp. Uh, Andy and I were coming off the river, and there was um, a pickup truck in the parking lot. 
And it, you, yeah. you could tell that it was like, it wasn't, you know, some 60 year old guys. It was, you know, some 20 year old kids coming out from wherever they were from hunting. Well, they were hunting that morning out on the river, but they had yesterday's birds in the bed of their truck uncleaned, like 30 honkers. And it's just like, dude, you can't do that. You get home, you got to clean your birds, get them in the freezer. Don't leave birds in the bed of your truck for three days at a public boat ramp that a game warden is definitely going to go to in the day. It's duck season. Right. So it's like those little things. And people obviously, like, you can be like, oh, I'll just, I'll clean the birds in the morning. Don't worry about it. It's not a big deal. But you can't do that. You got you to gotta clean your birds. And you mm-hmm. can't go hunting the next day with a bunch of birds in the back of your truck, especially in an area where there's a 100% chance you're going to shoot more geese. And it's like, so now you're putting a bunch of more dead birds in the back of your truck that are uncleaned. And now you're going to drive down the road with who knows how many dead birds in the back of your truck, which is definitely going to be over your limits, over your possession limits, blah, blah, blah. So, like, for instance, that's one of the things. Yeah. And that just happened. That, that was last week. So I definitely think, and there's – a million other things too but like as far as like the social media thing goes like what you see people doing wrong obviously like there was that kid that then i don't even remember his name so i can't even say it if i wanted to but you know he shot a deer posted on instagram beautiful buck blah 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 this and that yeah and then out of nowhere everyone's commenting and they're like oh yeah blah 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 well what did the warden say about that deer and you know whose land did you try and it's like come to find out he trespasses on someone's land without a tag, shoots this buck, then posts it on Instagram, like, here's this giant, beautiful buck. Game warns are at his front door, like, within minutes about this. So it's like, why would you go and do that? Mm. It's like, and you're making everyone that's trying to do things the right way. And, you know, this Looks kid was bad. like, exactly. And this kid was 23, so he's like one of these young kids that I'm talking about where it's like they make these mistakes and they do these stupid things. So they're essentially using hunting for clout or glory. Yeah, absolutely, and, yeah, a lot of people. But that's, know. people have been doing that for centuries. Yeah, absolutely. But now it's just more widespread. Yeah, 100%. And, like, in that specific case, it's like, why didn't you have a tag to shoot a deer? For real. Like, why didn't you just go to Walmart and buy the damn tag? And then you go harvest this monster buck and then post it when, and you say where you are, where it was like Oklahoma or something or Kansas. And it's like, pfft. how did all these people knew that he trespassed and didn't have a tag and whatever? Well, apparently some of the people commenting on it were like, yeah, we saw you in the area. We talked to so-and-so. We know whose land you're on. And also there was like someone's grain bin in the background with oh. like, oh, Smith Ag on it. And it's like. Someone was like, yeah, I know you didn't have permission to hunt on that land because no one has permission to hunt on that land. That was some of the comments. And it's like, why would you do that? So dumb. Yeah. And now he's like facing charges for it. So. Of course. Like, why would you do that? Some people are just dumb. Unfortunately, like you can't fix stupid. And that's just a fact. Like, unfortunately. Yeah. It is. It is very unfortunate. Especially for the folks that are stupid. Well, it's unfortunate for the people trying to do it right. It's unfortunate for the people trying to do it right on a daily basis. Because just like anything else, you know, a lot of people are going to, you know, especially like the older guys, like my dad, they're going to group everybody in with that guy now. Yeah. They're going to be like, well, no, you guys are all idiots. Like, Right. I can't tell you how many times I've tried to go get permission and they say this hunter fucked me over. Yeah. So I never let people hunt anymore. And it's like, dude, like why? And the things that they told me that this person did, because I'm always curious. I'm oh, like, yeah, well, what happened? I was like, I get it. I'm not. I'm not going to ask you for permission anymore. But like, just want to know what he did wrong. Yeah, what I happened? Want to let anyone hunt? Yeah, I, I want to make sure that I don't do that mistake too. You know, and it's like, oh, I gave two guys permission and they got into a fist fight and I had to call the cops. It's like, whoa, dude. And like, 
what what are you doing? That happened to me the other day. You had double permission? Well, no. So what happened was is I go to ask permission on this guy's land um, just like 40 miles from here, and he had just a massive duck and hawker feed. And I was like, if we can get that, I want it. So I go to the guy's door, and he was just like, hey, uh, you know, I don't let anyone hunt anymore. He's like, I, you know, I, I, I am now letting some people hunt this year, but it's like very specific people, blah, blah, blah. And he was like, but I haven't let anyone hunt the last two years. And I was like, well, if you don't mind my asking what happened, he was like, well, you know, I, you know, I have a couple groups, you know, that came out and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, this group had permission. Well, then the other group shows up at the field and was like, well, I had permission. Well, then they end up in a fist fight on an icy road. One guy gets hurt. One guy ends up in the hospital. Here comes the cops. Three guys get arrested. And he was like, ain't nobody hunting on my land after that obviously mm-hmm. and it's just like why does that have to happen right it's insane well i've I've said this multiple times <clears throat> dude if i get old and i'm not hunting anymore which <laughs> if i get old yeah. you know first of all i was we gotta, surprised we gotta, we gotta make it there dude i was surprised to make it past 21 100 percent. i was I like that. it hit me like a sack of bricks mm-hmm. I'm like holy shit i'm 21 i never thought this day would oh, come yeah. and then if i go and um stop hunting for whatever reason and some kid comes to my door and says hey can i come and shoot shit on your land i'm gonna be like absolutely not yeah no no No. and if i and if i do give someone permission it's someone i know yep and if i don't know them i'm gonna ask them a bunch of questions oh yeah but if i like like them when they come to the door it's like okay well what are you gonna do with your shells are you gonna drive out in the field if i say no like whatever whatever i mean that's 90 percent of why people lose permission right there absolutely like, they go, oh, uh, just no driving the field. Oh, they forget to close a gate. A cow gets out. Right. It's like, oh, now you guys are done hunting my land. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, and everyone else, too. All you had to do was throw a chain over a pole. Right. And you couldn't do that. And it's like, now we're all done. Well, you're just, that's just straight up disrespecting Correct. someone else's well, that, shit. Absolutely. 100%. It's like, yeah, you can go and kill shit on my land. Yep. Just close the gate and they don't do it. It's like, <laughs> oh, it, it, come it's, on. Happens probably so much, no lie. Especially like, out hey, here, huh? rules. Don't shoot over your limit. Close the gates. Close the gates you. behind you. And people shoot over their limit and don't close the gates. You, probably. You close your damn front door every time you walk out of the house. Why can't you shut the damn? Well, why can't you shut it? Why can't you shut a gate after you drive through? Like seriously, you know. No, this is the type of shit that gets guys divorced, though. Oops. You got that right. It's true. Left everything open. We got robbed. <laughs> I might be next. <laughs> yeah. No. No shot. No. The Midwest Flyways podcast is brought to you by Soundgear. Guys, let me tell you about Soundgear. It is a hearing protection company, and it is the bee's knees, honestly. You spend 1400 bucks on the Phantoms to save your hearing forever. I can't tell you how revolutionary it is to have good hearing protection that actually fits to the mold of your ear, enhances other noises, and then also protects your hearing. Dude, Bluetooth enabled on top of that, so it connects to your phone and... The other thing I love most about it is because they're rechargeable now. You know that the black case, <clears throat> the black case that you get with it, it's a device that charges them even when it's not plugged in. Yeah. So like you plug it in and it charges the case and your sound gear, just like AirPods. Mm-hmm. So then when you go somewhere on a trip or whatever, you're out in the field and you've hunted for eight hours and just you need to charge case. up, just put them in the case. That's seriously like life changing for me. Yep. Not having to swap the batteries. And so, my most asked question about Soundgear too is, how does it sound like when you're calling? And my answer every single time is, if you're an experienced caller, you already know what your calling sounds like. 
the first time you go out and call, it's going to sound a little weird to you. But after that, your muscle memory kicks in. You don't even have to worry about it. Yeah, well, and you kind of learn. Like, you can easily just, like, take one out and hear how you sound and be like, okay. So, like, I know what it sounds like in this year. Like, that sounds fine then. You Just like you said, you just get adjusted to it. Right. No, it didn't sound, if anything, it just sounded a little bit muffled. But even then, the only reason why it sounds muffled is because it's a higher decibel. So the sound gears are actually saving your ear. Yeah. (laughs) Like your ear. Exactly. All right. So go to soundgear.com today to get a pair of custom fit phantoms. Dude, here's a question for you. Yep. A lot like this is is something that I was super excited to ask you about because I know you'll have a great answer for it. I hope so. Um, Man, a lot, a lot of the work you guys do is not a normal job being a guide. Okay. Like it is sun up to sundown and it never really ends. And like, just legitimately, how often do you get burned out on being a waterfowl guide? I don't. Really? I don't, man. How often do you think most people that are guides do get burned out? I mean, you see these guys, most of them turn over when it's like 23 or 24, and then someone tells them it's time to get a quote-unquote real job. And yeah. they're like, oh, I can't, you know, I can't do that anymore. It's like, well, why can't you? It's like, oh, well, she said, he said, well, my mom said. It's like, what, I do thought, you do? Yeah, what the hell do you want to do? It's like, yeah. if you want to do this, why don't you do it? Do you think this is a career that's like legitimately sustainable for a long period of time? Absolutely. Yeah, there's plenty of guys that have done it and they continue yeah. to do it. I mean, the guy, so like one of the guys, like for instance, Matt Koska, he's been doing this for, I think he said he was like 45. He's been doing this since he was like 19. Successfully, very successfully. 26 years. Yeah, exactly. So like, and. It, I mean, look at Andy. Andy's been guiding for 17 years. That's exactly right. And he's got his dog business. I mean, he's got a, a kennel that has, you know holds 25 upland dogs for him to train. And, you know, yeah. I think he trains about eight to nine months out of the year with a full kennel. Yeah. So it's like, you know, there there are, I and mean, it's, it's not just guiding is how you make, you know, your money in this. Just like you guys, you know, you guys have Midwest Flyways. You guys are doing something that's not just guiding. Construction. Correct. Yeah. Correct. But it's still in the community. And it's something that we all benefit from in some way shape or form mm-hmm. so it's like there's so many other ways to be like to make this a lucrative life and actually like make a profit and make a lot of money and be able to support a family like you are like you know yeah i mean i make all my money in construction and, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. but midwest flyways is like a hey let's go hunt for free but you like for hunting. the entire year yeah 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 yeah, Which that's no. an understatement, but you know. No, but for guys like me that literally guide like twelve months out of the year, I mean, I do make a good living doing this, and I, I just, I'll never get burned down hunting waterfowl, man. Yeah. Different people every day, you know. You got different clients. You get to meet new people. Obviously, I'm a people person. I like talking to people, and when you get to meet new people all the time, it's it makes it fun, it makes it interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's it's that's that's why I thought you'd be great to answer yeah. this because I know how passionate you are about it, and like, I think what it comes down to probably is just like, it just takes the right person. Just like most jobs, you know, Absolutely. if you want to be great at something or you want it to sustain for a long period of time, you have to be good at it. Absolutely. And so, and you know, you have to enjoy it and, and really like it. And don't get me wrong. There's plenty of days that I wake up and I'm just like, ah, but then I'm like, but you know what? I don't got to go sit behind a fucking desk. I get to go do something bad. Right. About so, to go watch a bunch of birds fall in a field. Go. And it's like, all right, I'm up, get a cup of coffee, hit the road and have fun. Yeah. It's that simple. Like, Smoke a Marb 72. 27 probably. No, that's really cool, man. Yeah. Is our ducks and geese by like by far your favorite species to chase? Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's been yeah. my passion since. I mean, my dad had me in a duck blind before my second birthday. And so like Same. That's literally been the only thing I've ever really cared about. Like I've had 
13 or so employers since I graduated college at 24. Yeah. And it's like, this was yeah. the only thing in life that I was able to sustain myself in. Yeah. Like I would get through like a really good job. Like I had great jobs and I would get to like nine months in there. And then it was like, all right, well, October's around the corner. And I was like, you know, boss, uh, I'm probably going to be hunting quite a bit. And they're like, how often? And it's like, well, I ain't going to be. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, U.S. history. Women. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Women and booze. Hey, man, Ole Miss was hey. fun. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh, no, so I have a degree in history and then a minor in naval weapons systems and uh, like political science, essentially. What so, the hell? Yeah, yeah. Well, the, you were trying to be a, a Navy officer? No, I was going to be an officer in the Marine Corps, and then I got hurt playing baseball. Yeah. So that was like the actual goal. And when I was in the ROTC program at Ole Miss, um, they were like, yeah, you know, blah, 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 this and that. And it was just like I ended up not following through with it one i couldn't pass a physical and two like my knee was just shot from playing baseball all through high yeah. school and stuff and then eventually it was just like well that was my junior year that i decided what they were they decided it's like you're not going to be able to go like they wouldn't even pass me and i was just like well shit so i decided to keep on with the program so like the degree in naval weapon systems is like pretty much obsolete but it was badass so yeah. kept up with it and i got it just paid thousands of dollars to learn about naval weapons yep that's correct that's exactly <laughs> what i did yeah i'm so glad i didn't go to college man because it would have been wasted Honestly, i would have wasted so much like, money said, you know sometimes yeah, when it's I'm so doing interesting this. though because like yeah. so many guys i know you know that are like you look at them they're not using their degree or they never went and got a degree but like I mean, I went to college for two years, and I would tell you right now, like, yeah, I paid to go there, but at the same time, I learned a lot, you know, not just about, I guess, anything Women and booze. Women and booze. <laughs> but, like, just myself, and like, what made me tick and what made me happy and what I was interested in a little bit, and it, like, gives you a little bit of a direction. Oh, yeah. When you're 18, dude, like, you probably can get a little bit of that direction, too, but you don't want to, like, fall into a situation doing a job that you just hate. You know, and then it's very easy, like, to quickly settle, you know, in, in so many different things. You can settle in a career, you can settle on a girl, you can all of a sudden you have a kid, and then 40 years later, you've been working in the same factory since you were 18. Oh, man, you saw I mean, all my family. Dead ass, though. That's so. legitimately, like, a lot of the world. Like, that's how a lot of it. And so, you know, it scares the man, shit if out you of me. take two years and you spend, you know, 40 grand to do it, if you don't end up working in a factory for 40 years, you'd probably be all right. Right. So, I don't know. A lot of people learn a lot in, in college, not just classroom-related. Oh, for sure. About I definitely, the world themselves. Yeah, I, I definitely don't think, like, every now and then I'm like, God, that was a waste of time. Why did I do that? But then I also think, like, one, the experience. I went to, a, you know, a badass school in the SEC. I got to go to the coolest football games in the world in college football. Yeah. Baseball, blah, blah, blah. I got to see some of the coolest things. So, it's like I would never, ever regret any experience that I had in college just because I got to see some pretty awesome things. But then again, I'm like... I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a history teacher, which is actually one of the things that I would like to do eventually. I want to go get my master's in history, and I do want to like teach at the college level at some point. Hmm. Like, I've always wanted to do that. Yeah, you'd be a great teacher. Yeah, like the like the end goal. <laughs> you'd be one of the coolest norm. teachers. Oh, dude! Like so, like one of the end goals is like eventually I would like to um, probably it would probably be online, or I would do it here at like Mon uh, here in town and. Um, I want to be able to like guide fly fishing every day and then like teach like a night class, like two nights yeah. a week in the springtime or something, oh, you know, yeah. like, so that's kind of like what I would really like to do. I don't know why I always wanted to, I had badass history professors in college and I was like, dude, those guys are fucking awesome. 
Like when, they were. When did you start fly fishing? Oh shit! <sighs> Probably when I was four or five years old. Yeah. yeah. Oh really? Oh yeah. Was yeah. that that was like coming out to Montana or going to some place? Well, he grew um, up in Washington. Yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, it, it, yeah, for sure. So it, uh, coming out to Montana was one of them. But uh, mainly, like in the summer times, when like before we started, you know, my dad was able to like put his handle on three kids and like take them on vacation and shit, not to worry about things. It would usually be like he and I, and then. Sometimes my little brother and then like my mom's stuff, we'd go over the Yakima River and go fly fishing yeah. over there. So yeah, that's kind of where I got my start on fly fishing. And then I grew up in North Bend, Washington, and we have the Snoqualmie River right there, and I grew up 200 yards from the bank. So I went down and learned how to fly fish there as well. That's so cool, man. Yeah. I, I grew up in a family of fly fishermen. My dad's a casting instructor. Oh, dude, I didn't even my, know that. My crazy. brother uh, ran the fly fishing program at Vista Verde in Clark, Colorado for a little bit. Oh, shit. So it's, yeah, it's just cool. Like I, you know, I don't know. It's more fun. Now, obviously, going into all the different stuff we do with waterfowl, so many guys I meet now are, like, into fly fishing. Oh, yeah. And, like, when I grew up, all my friends were into normal fishing, but nobody had any idea about fly fishing at all. No. And, like, that is a sport that is definitely growing. Oh, God. It's pretty fun. The only people that you ever saw fly fishing, like, when we were little kids, the only guy that you saw fly fishing was the guy down at the river, and he was probably 75 years old. Mm, Like, it was was an old guy. Like, you didn't see a whole lot of young people. And he looked like a narc. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, just in in, He's a fucking cop. No, no. He's just in full fly fishing garb with a net hanging off of his butt. And I'm just like, (laughs) you're a fucking narc. You're a nerd. (laughs) (laughs) No, truthfully. And, like, that. You know, you were talking about, like, social media and stuff like that. And I think, like, the huge, like, social media and, like, Instagram and all that stuff and people being able to post all these badass photos from badass places, catching these fish in a different way. Yeah. I think it has pushed a lot of people to want to pick up a fly rod. Dude, Fly Lord's Instagram? Yeah. Oh, Unreal. Sims, yeah, cool. Sims so fly fishing Sims shit? Is a great so sick. Fly Lord's is a great business. I What's mean, that place out in New Zealand that posts a bunch of fly fishing oh, shit? Oh, are you talking about... Um, Oh gosh! Hold on I started following because of Fly Lords, well, and they just catch the craziest shit. Are you talking about the guys that also duck hunt and goose hunt over there? Or no, are you I'm just not talking about, about Jeff. Fly I'm not talking about Jeff Irvine. Oh, okay, that's who I was thinking of. No. Jeff Irvine, and then uh, no, it's like Scott. a company. Okay, it's a guide service actually is no, what it is, I, and they have a hell of a social media. Well, there's Yellow Dog Fly Fishing, which is like the biggest. Yellow fly Dog fishing. is uh, so Yellow Dog is like. It's like trophy expeditions, it's right? It's like the split read of fly fishing, kind of. Like, they're just trying to connect people to a bunch of different destinations and sure. stuff like that right, around the right. world. And I th- I'm almost pretty positive they're out of Montana, if I'm not mistaken. Probably right about that. I think they're out of Bozeman. Um, that could be completely wrong, but I just I I, think I, I you're feel correct. like it is out of Montana. Someone yeah. could probably Google that shit and correct me, but yeah. No. But, I'm not going <laughs> to. No. I'm going to let it go. Yeah. Is, 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 was that right? Yeah. There it is. He Googled it. Yep. No, but his... Yeah, he Instagrammed it. His brother got super into fly fishing, and then he just bugged me to start doing it, and I got just good enough to cast, <laughs> and then I went and bought a four-weight over Orvis rod. There you go. And then broke it, trying to reel in a carp. It was like a 35-pound carp. Oh, I believe that. And it was epic. Yep. And I'm just like, holy shit, I want to like catch every native fish to Minnesota oh, yeah. on the fly rod, Absolutely. and I still have three left to do, sauger, paddlefish, and a sturgeon. No shit. But it, I did it all in like two years. That's crazy. That's yeah. badass. Yeah. Because no, his, sure. his family has a, a boathouse on the Black River. Yeah. I mean, in Wisconsin. Of the Mississippi. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Mm-hmm. And there's a shitload of sturgeon in there. So I had a drop line at like 35 feet, white woolly bugger. On oh, a fly rod. On a fly rod. That's badass. And so it was just like, that's how sick. you catch musky, pike. Oh, yeah. For sure. All that stuff on the yep. fly. Dude, it was like the coolest thing. 
it was so much fun, but I just don't see myself ever doing it like I did because I was single. No, of course. Had no responsibilities. Yeah, no kid, Dude, no. my dad is a vagabond musky fisherman with a flag. Is that right? Oh, yeah. yeah like it's oh, shit. Hashtag <clears throat> musky boys. It's, musky boys is literally <laughs> what him and his buddies call themselves. Musky boys. A bunch like of 55-year-old men. and 70 years old. You'll find them at the fucking Ram Boys. Oh, you, you will yeah, find them at the Ram. Every goddamn day. Yeah, you know awesome. what I mean? Like, no, that's awesome. Oh, they take they take just trips all over the place just chasing oh, stuff with they, fly like, rods. There are so many things that I want to do with a fly rod. Like, oh, my God. Like, I want to... I want to catch a sailfish on a fly. My, uh, That's what yeah. I want to do. My, on a 12 weight. Drop my line. family has a, a cabin in Wisconsin on a very, very well known musky river. All right. And my dad is obsessed. And if I was like, yeah, my buddy wants to come and catch a musky on a fly rod, he'd be like, when? I'm already here. <laughs> I'm already it's just here. a. It's just a reason <clears throat> for him to go out again. 100. percent That's awesome. Which he doesn't need one, and he's there already. So. Dude, that's, no. that's so sick. It's pretty cool. Um, no, love it. What's your bucket list hunt? Like, if you just like one one hunt that someone was just gonna say, "Hey, I'll pay for you and one other person to go on a hunt wherever in the world, doesn't matter how much it costs." Yeah, five for days. sure. I want to go shoot honkers and mallards down in New Zealand. Yeah, really badly. It's something I've always wanted to do. Yeah, yeah. There was a goddamn. What was it called? It was a. Uh, it was a duck commander video that he came out with in the early two thousands, and I believe it was. Uh, it was like. Some commander went there. Yeah, dude, it was never got released on tape. Like you can look it up on YouTube, where you could buy the uh, videos at Simmons Sporting Goods, actually down in Bastion. Yeah, that's where you could buy them. And um, no, but he went down there, and it was like, oh god, what, what do they refer to as New Zealand? Like Australia is like the land down under, and then like what was New Zealand? I can't remember. What Kiwis. They, yeah, but there's like a term for it or whatever. Well, that was the name of the video. It was like, it was like you know shooting ducks down under or something. And like he went down there. And they were just, it was the craziest, like, waterfowl footage you've ever seen. Hmm. They were shooting creeks that were, like, you know, we talk about, like, warm water sloughs here and stuff like that. This was literally a running river that was, like, three of these damn boards on this table wide. And they were using, like, old beat-up decoys with rubber tire tubing. Like, bike t- bicycle tire tubing is, like, mm-hmm. the weight holder. And then they would just grab river rocks and, like, shove them in and hold the decoys down. And they were shooting. Dude. Paradise ducks, oh, shell ducks, all of it. Just beating the hell out of them. And it just, it was like the, like, you know, you're here and you see all this cool background and stuff. They're literally shooting ducks in the mountains. Like they're shooting paradise ducks in the absolute mountains, like in yeah. the Alps, it looks like. Well, yeah, Jeff was, Irvine on Instagram. Exactly. He's shooting geese where they filmed Lord of the Rings. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Literally just, like, where they yeah, filmed yeah. Lord of the Rings. Yep. Yeah. He's like, they're like 20 minutes from the Shire, like stacking mountains. Right. It's, like, yeah, it's so yeah, badass. No shit, right? Like, it's so <laughs> sick. It's so epic. I would yeah. totally bring a Frodo cutout, <laughs> just like from the AMC back Bro, in the do day. A barefoot and put him in the pile pack. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, do a pile, do a Dude, barefoot. I would wear like the little knicker pants that they wear in like the Lord of the Rings, pants. and like the little vest with the. Wait, my knickers. <laughs> like I love it. No, I, so, so cool. like that was that was the one that video that like turned me, and he was like, yeah. they were hunting from like helicopters for red stag and stuff like that. Like mm. it was just insane. Like the way that they do things, and like back in that time before there was like there was more laws. They were like throwing out truckloads of corn. You could shoot lead. They were shooting in the dark. Like there was no laws there, and it was like yeah. he had a segment. And he was like, you obey the laws of the land, and he was like. You can bait ponds. He's like, you know, just this crazy absurd stuff that you can't do in the States right. that like, you know, you don't do anywhere else. And they just hammer them. Hammer them. It's so cool. Oh, man. dude. It was the coolest it's stuff. It's just incredible. Yeah. That's one of the trips I want to make. But I want to go do it with Jeff. 
No, absolutely. I want to do it with him and then like obviously like I want to sit there like out of my layout shooting geese like with a fly rod and just Oh yeah. Catch a monster rainbow. Dude, or yeah, <laughs> like shoot so shoot sick. your limit 20 minutes from the Shire yeah. and then just yeah. take it off and yeah. put your fly rod out there and just, start catching you know, trout. Chase monster browns like just predator fish. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh dude. Giant brown trout is like that's up there with like You want to talk about an untapped man. resource, you know? Oh, it's Shit. unbelievable. So ain't, ain't nobody taking that twenty nine hour flight to go down there and shoot geese. No, um, I will. So <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I will. no shit. Yeah, but I will. Um, so obviously, this is a pretty unbelievable place to shoot geese. Mm-hmm. What do you think is the hardest place you've ever shot geese? What's the most difficult place that you've guided at, hunted at? North Central Kansas. North Central Kansas. One hundred percent in the hill country. Yeah. Why is it so hard? Those are like like you guys talk about like Minnesota where it's like you know we were shooting the smartest birds they're assholes blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. those fucking geese suck man <laughs> they suck suck they don't work they don't come they don't you know they're switching feeds twice a day if they feed twice a day like they're gonna go out one morning and be like sweet they're in John's field and then you're like all right cool you go look at John's field in the evening they're flying clear over John's field and flying twelve miles into another field for no reason at all. Yeah. Like, they do what they do. It just doesn't make sense. Even the lessers, like, beautiful lesser spread, socks, you know, the whole, you throw in the trailer at them, and it's just like, they just don't even care. They don't care. Blow, 10 guys blowing a call. <laughs> See ya. See ya. Yeah. Peace. And they're gone. See, the difference, when I was there hunting with you guys last year, mm-hmm. the difference between that and Minnesota mm-hmm. is you guys have so many birds to play with. Yeah. Correct. 100%. Like, I've we said it a, a couple of times. I think that roost, there was like, what, 200,000 Canadas? Correct. And just as many snows? Yep. And 80,000 ducks? Oh, bro. I between the was, two I refuges? Prob- oh, between those two refuges, I bet there's probably between half a million and three-quarter of a million snow geese. I mean, that's that's insane. And yep. in Minnesota, first of all, we don't really get snows like that. <clears throat> yep. The last, like, three years, we've been seeing more snows than ever, which is cool. They're pushing further and further that's east. That's badass, yeah. It's awesome. You start shooting snow geese. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. It's really cool. But our roost, like there's certain places like Fergus will hold 50,000, 80,000 geese and Rochester will hold 100,000 geese at its prime. Laquaparo used to hold 100,000 geese. But like you don't see a lot of areas yeah. with more than 5,000 geese, like right. total. So going there, I'm just like, whoa, this is crazy. Yeah, this is so many birds, everywhere. man. Yeah. Because we're not a wintering spot. Nope. We're a staging spot. Yep. So, oh yeah, no, and you were you were like lucky to show up when you did in Kansas last year. Like we had the weather; the weather just happened. I mean, I remember the last year on like December eighteenth, it was like like seventy something degrees. It was like it was, it was, it was terrible. Well, it was seventy eight degrees when I got there. Yeah, it was terrible. And then out of nowhere, it was just like it was negative ten. Let's snow, mm-hmm. you know. And then we shot them up. You know, like, we beat the hell out. Took of Took seven happened. days to get to that point, yeah, though. Yeah, I know it. I that know happened it. the first time we went and hunted there with Bobby too. Like it was like sixty degrees. Remember the one day? Yep. Then the next day it was literally like eight degrees and a thirty mile per hour wind. Which is crazy. Which is funny because like in that part of Kansas where he is, obviously they get snow and stuff like that. But we definitely get like the more harsh weather up in that hill country. Like, yeah. We sh- and we should. It was but, way harsher than Bob's. Oh, I'm oh sure. Yeah. It was bad. Oof. Yeah. I was also sleeping in a trailer, so that didn't help. But nice. Yep. Hey, well, you know what? That's let me tell you about that single wide right now. That <laughs> yeah. some bitch was warm. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, because there's fifteen fucking dudes in it. Well, hold on now. <laughs> was it hot? It was hotter <laughs> than fuck. Yeah, it was terrible. That was good. so fucking hot. Between the PS4s going and playing Call of Duty to 
<laughs> bunch of dudes hanging out in there. That was the best time, though. It's close quarters, but, like, you always have so much fun. Mm-hmm. What was the most fun you had in Kansas? And, like, it doesn't have to necessarily be hunting-related, but, like, tell us a funny story or, like, a good story from Kansas. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to throw them under the bus. So, it was uh, it was opening weekend about, I want to say it was 2018. And um, we were... I mean, this is it's it's boys' weekend before you know before clients are starting to show up. So we all go up there. We invited some guys out, and I think there was uh, I think so there was you, Tate, and Rufty. Oh, me, Tate, Rufty, uh, Charlie Coon, another kid, Jackson, uh, and like twenty other guys, like five other guys. And I think we were shooting like eight mans, and like we were finding ponds. This was it was actually sick. So obviously it's October. You're shooting brown ducks. There's not like a bunch of full plumage mallards out there and shit. Yeah. But we were finding ponds with like forty birds on them. And, like, it was just like, holy shit, there's nothing here. And we would yeah. ask permission. And they'd be like, yeah, who gives a shit, go ahead. And we'd go out on that pond, and out of nowhere in the morning, we're smacking a 50 stack. And it was just like, where the fuck do these birds come from? Like, they were not even here yesterday. There was 10 ducks on this pond. And then, and it's like 80 degrees. Next day, same thing. Pond with, like, 30 ducks on it. <laughs> Half of them teal. And it was just like, oh, mm, yeah, all right. Get fuck permission it. on it. Go out there, smack 40 mallards. And it was like... What the hell's happening? And it's like yeah. 68 degrees. Next morning, we go out. We find a pond that was actually holding quite a few birds. And we look at the weather forecast. And it went from like 78 to blizzarding snow sideways, like October 17th or some shit like that, like early end of October. And we went out there, stacked up 55 mallards or something like that. Like It was just insane. And we did it in like 40 minutes. And then that same weekend, this is where I'm throwing John under the bus. He, uh, you know, this guy's a little bit drinking pretty yeah. pretty fucking hungover and we're like you know tate john and i go and park the trucks and we're walking back and it's like you know it's me tate john's at the toe he's just right behind us well we get all the way out to the blind we walked you know probably a quarter mile we turn around john's gone like tate and i are like what the fuck is john and it was just like you know we're yelling like hansel and gretel we're like yelling for john <laughs> like just party. dude no fucking response and I was like, dude, we like we lost John. And Tate was like, dude, there's birds going. We got to go. So John gets left, like, wherever John was. Well, he comes up, like, 30 minutes into the shoot. We're, like, halfway done. He's like, oh, guys. I was like, there he is. There he is. He showed up. Like, he got beat, like, his ass beat. Like, he's just like, what the hell, man? So, like, when we were walking off the road, he did a headfirst dive into a ditch and just, like, passed out. Oh, <laughs> yeah. And no woke way. up like face down in the grass like 30 minutes later and like walks out. And he's like, I, I hit the ground hard, man. Knocked me out. <laughs> oh like, we were just like, what the fuck happened, bro? <laughs> so that was one of them. Just that was, literally took a dirt yeah, nap. It was, like, yeah, literally. Like, just minutes. hit the dirt and took a nap. Like, he was just like, I fell. And Tate and I were like, oh, that's what happened. <laughs> we were just like, yeah. Of course that even, happened we to didn't John. Even, we didn't even go back for you. <laughs> like, there were, there were <laughs> birds. To, yeah, absolutely. There were birds to shoot. It was like 60. I wasn't worried about him freezing to death. Dude. Dumbass had a jacket on. He was good. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> so fucking funny. But yeah, he was, that was a good one. Yeah. Yeah, that was fun. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to the Midwest Flyways podcast. Be sure to leave us a review or a rating on Apple and Spotify and go to MidwestFlyways.com slash shop for all your latest Midwest Flyways merchandise. It was, so, it was crazy. We shot like 258 ducks like when we should not have done that. <laughs> like we shouldn't have done it. We did that's it in like nutty. five days. It was insane. Yeah. Uh, so you heard me earlier kind of like talk about <clears throat> like my dream situation for hunting, right? Like when I like if I have a great waterfall hunting dream, 
you know, it's me and a buddy in a pond or like a little creek or a slough or something like that. And we're just shooting, you know, groups of twos and threes of mallards. And it's just, that's... (laughs) You smell like a fucking... Dude, I literally told you, don't do that anymore. I can't stop farting. So fucked up. You smell like an ox. My head is fucked. It's a good looking that ox. It's not dope, bro. It's a good looking ox, though. Dude, no. No. Oh, <laughs> it's not. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Most guys. I've been walking around mama. for a while with a dangling. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Anyway, I didn't yeah. mean to interrupt you with my butt. No, no, no you're good. Um, Continue. Your dream scenario. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, you and what, two guys you, on a pond. Yeah, you're having a good waterfall Absolutely. dream. Yep. What? What is it? Man. What are you doing? As much as Tate's going to hate me for not saying that it was geese, honestly, it'd probably just be a badass timber shoot with my dad and my brother. Like how I grew up. Yeah. Like yeah. just that or like on the Potholes Reservoir back where I grew up, just like in Washington State, which is like, I could go hunt anywhere. Like I can hunt here and it's the most beautiful place in the world. But like I get to Eastern Washington, which is like, you know, like kind of the rolling hills and desert area, a lot of farmland. And like, that's the prettiest place in the just world. Just feels like home. Oh, fuck. It's the best. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Sitting on a bucket with my dad and my brother, probably. Yeah, absolutely. Pretty cool, man. Yep. Yeah, mine's mine's a cattail slough with not too much mud. And, uh, you know, your hide is just what's around you. And birds just dumping in, giving it up on yeah. shallow water, absolutely. dude. Absolutely. Oh, my God. And it, it would be with my dad and yeah. my sister Kristen for 100%, 100%. sure. 100%. Hey, say you're from Minnesota without saying you're from Minnesota. Boat. No, <laughs> cattail pond without too much mud. Yeah, cattail. Yeah. <laughs> like, dude, that's so unfortunate for us, though. Like, every pond you walk into, you're like, huh. oh. Dude, you go down to Kansas, all these cattle ponds, they're just hard yeah. as a rock. Hard as right. A rock. Yeah, rock. Hard oh, as a rock. I'm, I'm the only aware. thing you're worried about is it gets to 15 feet after about 12 feet of water. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. You like, you start walking, you yeah. just go down. In Minnesota, you walk six feet past the cattails and you can't get out. No, yeah, you're just, dude. You're literally, <laughs> you literally stuck. can't get yeah, out. You're in like eight feet of mud. Can't get out that mud. Yeah, it's goose shit bottom, dude. Oh, it's oh, it's only a foot deep, and then all of a sudden you're over your hips. Yeah, you're four feet in the water. <laughs> that ain't funny. But but the, it's only a foot of water. The yeah. amount of times that I've what? not only had to pull just my wife out, and I've accidentally pulled her out of her waders, but other people that are hunting for their first or second oh, yeah. time, I'm teaching them how to walk. Through yeah, the mud. You teach, yeah. In Minnesota, it's like the safety talk for guys. Yeah, guys, so when you walk Number out there. Number one thing, when you walk out there, it's about three feet of mud, buddy. Love it. Bend the fucking knee, okay? It's <laughs> <laughs> the trick. Don't move your other foot until your other foot is dislodged. Wiggle yeah. sideways. Get it done. Don't wiggle sideways. Yeah. <laughs> Bend the knee. Front and back. Front and back. Fucking hell. The harder you force yourself out of the mud, the deeper you're going to get. Jeez, North and ridiculous. south, brother. Do no not, east and west. Do not freak out. This is the Labria tar pits. Yeah, literally. Do not move dude, once you get stuck. Just throw me a fucking rope and pull me out. <laughs> dude, one of the scariest days of my life, there's this pond behind this. Or it's actually a lake. It does not feel like a lake. And uh, same thing, goose shit bottom. We made pallet docks going out to the deal because it's like a mile of cattails. And uh, walking out there with my dad. And I was like, Dad, I'm smashing ducks in the backyard. He's like, okay, I'll come watch you. So I come out there and I throw the decoys right next to the pallet dock. And he's like, what are you doing? You can't sit on the dock. You got to go 10 feet over there into the cattails, and you got to throw out the decoys further than that. I was like, well, I'm not going to take the canoe out. It's too heavy. I'm just going to fucking put them right there. And 
he's like, okay. He's like, well, you got to get your decoy still. After he made me go and throw him further, I'm like, nice, Dad. So I, like, jump off the dock, and I just completely go over my head. Over my head in water, and my dad had to pull me out by my freaking hair. The best is you can see the bottom from the dock. No, yeah, you can you can see the bottom. It's about this deep, and then you jump off, and you're gone. And like the vacuum seal of the waiters, I was just like, (laughs) (laughs) what What is that noise? What is that? Sounds like a Land Before Time dinosaur. Yeah, Yeah, (laughs) that's me. Gargling goose shit. Sound like the lizard that killed that fat guy in Jurassic Park. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Actually, though. Yeah. He Get away. To scare him away with shaving cream. <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> guy had like the Barbasol can with like the fucking mechanism in it. He fucked with the dinosaurs. Dude, he I'm got what was you. coming for him. That lizard whipped his ass. That was the scariest part of, Veloc- <laughs> or of uh, Jurassic Park for me. Barbasol. <laughs> <laughs> like he's gonna save his life yeah. with it. That was so fucking <laughs> funny. So Grant's <laughs> literally dying. Yeah, oh my oh, god. Shit. Well, Norm, I uh, fucking love you. Thank you so much for having us out. No, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. We had so much fun. We god, it was a blast of a trip. No, you guys are definitely. We absolutely back cannot out. be the last time. I can't. No, I can't no. wait for you to see the YouTube videos coming from this. It's oh, I can't be, either. I know. Yeah, it's Grant gonna was, be disgusting. Grant was snapping the fuck away like. So I'm oh, so yeah. excited to see what he comes up with. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, guys, go and check out RA Legacy. Go follow Norm on Instagram at normgross.2 or something like that. And, <laughs> you just uh, search Norm Gross, you'll find it. <laughs> right. He's a greasy-looking waterfowl guide, but he's got a good smile. So you'll find him on there. But anyway, thanks for listening. Be sure to leave us a review, and we'll talk to you guys soon. Oh, hey, Norm, one more thing, man. Yep. Yo soy...